Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Does anyone else have Christmas music playing all through the year in their house? Yeah? (laughs) Annalise, our middle child, is the one for that. She has her own Christmas Spotify playlist and she brings it out in March and April and June and just whenever the mood hits her. So go the Christmas carols. But my love of this carol started with this album back in 1998. Have I got any Celine 1998 lovers? She sings this song the best. And when I was in university, I came up to Auckland to stay with my dad and stepmom. And you know, when you're in university, you like to sleep in. My dad, every morning at 6 a.m., with the volume as high as it could go, would blast the song to wake me up and get me out of bed. So, you know, I loved it right from the start. And the song, anyone want to guess it? She sings it amazingly. Oh, she got it. It's Oh Holy Night, the best Christmas carol ever written. And, you know, we don't have Celine in the house this morning, unfortunately, but we do have Caitlin Weston in the house. And don't freak out, Caitlin. This time last year, you may remember that we couldn't meet together. We were doing online church, and our amazing worship team put together a Christmas Eve service that was actually played on Shine TV. And um, what I thought was because we didn't get to be together for that service this morning, we would watch Caitlin sing and the team singing Oh Holy Night. You don't have to stand up, but if you'd like to sing along, I will be. So let's listen to this carol, and then I'll come back up.
Yeah. <laughs> and now it feels like Christmas. Poor Caitlin, her face when I said we've got Caitlin in the house. I didn't actually, sorry Caitlin, I wasn't going to drag you up to sing it. That was beautiful, wasn't it? (laughs) I just love this song. Such powerful words declaring who Jesus is and praising his name, hey? Interestingly enough, this song has a reasonably checkered start. It was um, written by, the words were written by an atheist and the music was written by a Jew, in France back in the day, and when it came to America, it got translated into English by an American Christian, and um, just what an amazing, yeah, American Christian, what an amazing, what an amazing song it is. But the other cool thing about this song is it's the first piece of music ever sent over the radio waves. That's cool, eh? So an inventor worked out how how to send voice and music, and he transmitted on Christmas Eve to all the ships, Luke 2, the Christmas story, and then Oh Holy Night by violin. And do you know what? They'd only ever heard beeps, and some people actually thought it was an angel, they reported, because they'd never heard a voice or music. And all of a sudden, Luke 2 and Oh Holy Night comes blasting through, which is, I think, pretty cool. But I just want to pull out a few of my favourite lines of this song, starting with... Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Pining, it's kind of an old-fashioned word. It's a word I'd expect to see in a Jane Austen book. Great author, by the way. And it means a wasting away of our spirits a grieving or a painful feeling on the inside. And the song also talks about a weary soul. So a weary soul that is pining because of sin, because of error, because of mistakes. And it talks about that weary soul waiting, waiting for something to come that will break through our pining, our despair, you know, break through this idea that if anyone truly saw me and knew me and knew my thoughts and my actions, would they truly actually love me? You know, just like the song, I had a reasonably checkered start to my life. I was the result of a teen pregnancy, a shotgun wedding, and a broken home within the first two years of my life. And you know what that did for me, was say to me, just your presence in this world brings brokenness. Your presence in this world ruined two people's lives. Your presence in this world brings indescribable pain. Now, that was never inherently said to me, but that was the message that I had from my background And although I tried my hardest as a child to fix things, to fix my parents, to try and make it right, I never could. And what that meant was that as I was an adult, I had this feeling constantly on the inside of not being enough. I'm not enough. Do you know what? I wasn't even I'm not good enough. There's a difference I'm not good enough as my actions are not good enough. 
not enough means that there is inherently something in me that is deficient. And that's what I had. And do you know what? That's the definition of shame. A paralyzing conviction of one's worthlessness, of no value to others or God. And that's why I love this carol. Because it says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Jesus coming, everything changes. Everything changes when Jesus coming because the soul can start to feel its worth. You know, I don't know your background. You may have been brought up in the most perfect family or the opposite like mine, but no matter what, we will all butt up against this issue. What is our soul worth? What is our soul worth? Romans 10 verse 11 says, Anyone who believes in him, talking about Jesus, will never be put to shame. We'll never need to feel that sense of worthlessness. We'll never need to feel that sense of brokenness. And I love how the message says it in Romans 8. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Do you remember? Do you remember what it felt like before Jesus washed your shame away? Before Jesus washed your sin away? A new power, he goes on, is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. In verse 4, in his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. When Jesus appeared, and Jake kind of stole my message here, but when Jesus appeared as a human, he not only showed us a holy God coming near us, he showed us a holy God becoming us, becoming human. How incredible is that? God becoming human in his life, his death, and his resurrection. It validates not only his love, it validates our worth. He became human. It validates his love, but it validates our worth. Never again do we need to feel worthless. So do you know what your soul is worth? For God so loved the world. For God so loved me. For God so loved you. Everything changes when Jesus appears and our soul can feel its worth. So what this carol reminds me is that our soul has its worth because of Jesus. Our worth is not defined in what the world says. Our worth is not defined in whatever we were born into. Our worth is not defined by what we say and we're often our worst accusers. Anyone? Our soul is defined because Jesus came to earth, died for us, rose again, and it speaks directly to our worth. You know, when I was a new Christian, 
I was about what, 21, I got invited to an Easter camp and um, a group of us went. There was an altar call for ministry and one of my friends went up and he was just oppressed. Like you could see it in his face, his whole body, even his voice. And someone simply walked up and said, in the name of Jesus, and woof, his whole body changed, his face changed, his voice changed. The power and the presence of Jesus came. And it was such an example to me. I've never forgotten it as a new Christian of the power of the name of Jesus. Has anyone else seen evidence of the power of the name of Jesus? Amen. You know what? I love this line of this carol. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. What this carol reminds me is that Jesus' coming not only brings worth, but it brings power. Throughout Scripture, we are told that Christ the Messiah will set the captives free, break bondages, and break oppression. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21, talking about Jesus. On the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. Here we are. As his custom, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Dun, dun, dun. Amen. <laughs> Jesus came to break oppression, to bring good news, to proclaim liberty to those who are bound. And further in Isaiah 61, where this passage is quoted from, to comfort all who mourn, to bring praise instead of despair, the oil of joy instead of mourning. Now, oppression simply means to be heavily weighed down in mind or body, to be overwhelmed or crushed. And like my Easter camp story, sometimes we get that instant breakthrough and we see the power of the name of Jesus. To break those chains and to break those lies or that oppression or to set us free. But sometimes it's a process and a journey. Sometimes it's not instantaneous. You know what? When Jesus came to the Jews... And they heard that, they thought it was going to be one thing. They thought it was going to be freedom from the Romans. It didn't look like that. I think sometimes when we think Jesus is going to come into our situations, we think it's going to look like this. Thank you very much, Jesus. That would be great. And it doesn't. Sometimes it's not instant. But does that mean it's not Jesus breaking oppression, breaking chains, breaking lies? You know, we can have freedom oppression ceasing in our lives and a long-term level as we walk day in and day out with Jesus through the highs and the lows of life. And 
I went through a really intense time when I was newly married and it wasn't Stanley's fault. <laughs> Just thought I'd better add that in there, my love. I went through a really intense time when I was newly married. I've been through reasonably a lot of intense times, poor man. But every time I came to spend time with God, I would just start to cry. And I didn't know why. Kind of weird, hey? And a very wise person said to me, you need to ask Jesus. You need to say, why am I crying? What do these tears mean? Actually, a very good tip if you're feeling any kind of emotion that you don't quite know. Why am I angry about this? Why am I so angry at my children? There's no reason. Why am I irritated? Why am I sad? Anyway, so I did. I asked him. And he would start bringing up memories of my childhood, things that were said over me, things I believed because of it actions I took, actions other people took over me. And he would bring these memories up in my time with him and I would just weep as I really understood the full import of what those things did and what those things meant to me. But do you know what was incredible? As I let myself feel the pain and I invited Jesus into those times, he broke the chains. He broke the lies he broke the emotion around it. I still remember it. I will never forget it. But he broke something. And that was a period of months and months and months of Jesus breaking oppression. I would cry out to God, please help me. This is really painful. As I allowed him into those places, he brought a comfort and a freedom and a healing to walk forward. Now, that kind of thing takes courage because who likes turning up to pain? I don't see a hand. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Um, and it wasn't instantaneous. And I've talked to a lot of people, and I know you guys will agree, that it is the both end. Jesus coming and breaking through our pain or our lies or whatever has gone on in our past. You know, you might not have come from my background. It might just be Jesus speaking through disappointment for you of believing something. Maybe it's grief. Maybe it's anxiety. Whatever it is, you know, as we put in the hard yards and allow God into those places, sometimes it's instantaneous and other times it's a process. But just because it's a process doesn't mean that it's not Jesus. Isaiah 61 is like my life first because that is why Jesus came. That is what Jesus does. He breaks oppression. He breaks lies. He shifts restrictions. He shifts fears. In Isaiah 9, it says, He came to be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. So whatever you are walking through, you know, it might be different to what I've described, but it's the same Jesus, nonetheless. And if you haven't got the instantaneous breaking of the chains, like it says in the song, I still believe that as you walk with God and with others, Jesus will come and he will bring breakthrough into whatever you're facing. So what this carol reminds me is that Jesus' comings not only brings us worth, but he brings us power. Amen. The final point I want to bring to our attention 
Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. You know, Jesus doesn't bring us worth and bring us freedom for us to do things for him. He honestly doesn't. He does it because he loves us so much. But what's the natural outworking? What's the natural outworking of Jesus bringing us worth and setting us free? It's that we can give it away. It's that we can love one another. Because when we know our worth, and when Jesus has taken us on a journey of freedom, others can look look at us and be encouraged. Like, honestly, if you had seen me 20 years ago, you would not have wanted to listen to me. Eh, hun? (laughs) He's not saying anything. It's true, though. It's only what Jesus has done in my life. But because he's done that, I want to give it away. John 13, verse 34, very familiar passage. A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. I was at the well on Sunday. Little plug, great place to be. Um, And Matt said something that was really cool, I really liked. He was talking about it in the context of getting words for people, but I think it applies. He was saying, you know, we can have one hand reaching up to Jesus and one hand reaching out for another person. And, um, and I love that. And I think in the context of what, what we're talking about here and a person's journey of faith and healing, like as we walk through life's challenges with God, we can reach one hand up to Jesus, but we can also reach one hand out to someone else. And um, we don't need to be fully healed or put together to do that. You know, like sometimes I think we think that. But we're always a little bit further ahead in our faith journey than someone else. Now, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, when you've walked through something, say for me it was what I was talking about with um, believing who God thinks I am. You've always got a vulnerability in that area. Like, God's healed me, but at any point, like, I can tip into the I'm not enough. Now, I know what to do now, and I can do it faster, but I think God leaves that vulnerability there, A, so we never forget what he's done, and we're always reaching up, but be so that we can tell others, hey, I struggle with that, I know what that's like, but this is what God did in me, and this is how it helped, and maybe you could come along too, and I could show you. Um, The other thing is that when we have walked through something, we have an authority. Like, if you come to me and say, I don't believe in my worth, I will get like this. You know, I will be like, let me pray for you because I've walked that path and I now have an authority to minister. Now, what do you have an authority in? What has Jesus taught you? What have you walked through? Maybe it's praying for healing, for physical healing. Maybe it's believing for something for a long time and you've seen it. Maybe it's that you've overcome fear, the thought, whatever it is, do you know what? You have an authority to minister to others and to love others in that area. There's something about walking the hard yards with Jesus that you can help, you can love one another. Isn't that amazing? That to me is discipleship at its finest. 
It's like, I have done this, Jesus. You and me, we have done this together. We've walked the hard yards. Now I'm going to go find someone and say, this is how I did it. Follow me and I'll show you and I'll pray with you and I'll help you. It was really cool because I got that, um, I got that, that, um, oh gosh, this is baby brain. Josiah woke at 3 a.m. Anyway, I got that opportunity at the well and it was like God reminded me like, yes, you're, you're healed for a reason because I love you, yes, and so that you can love others and help others. So one hand up with Jesus one hand out, no matter where you are in your journey of faith. If you have known Jesus for one day, you can do this. Because what he, has he done for us? So this carol reminds me that Jesus brings worth, he brings healing, and he calls us to help others find these things through him too. As I conclude, the first line of this carol Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. You know, it was a holy night, but it wasn't a tidy night. It was a holy night, but it was a messy night. And God really arrested me this week to remind me this. Like the first Christmas wasn't neat or clean, or tidy, and wrapped up like a bow, like we do our Christmas presents, and like we do ourselves. We wrap ourselves up with a bow, and pretend that it's all okay on the inside, but God said to me, remember, the first Christmas was messy, and hard, and traumatic, and scary, and fearful, and people had to be really brave. They had to give birth in a manger, like that's really brave, and there were people trying to kill them on every side, and like The first Christmas was messy. And into that Christmas came Jesus. And it was the presence of Jesus that made the night holy. And it's the presence of Jesus in our lives. You know, we can be as messy as we want, even if we wrap ourselves up like a bow. But the presence of Jesus will come. And he will bring that worth and that healing. He will bring hope and breakthrough. He can break chains. We don't need a nice, tidy story this Christmas. You know, we all know life isn't tidy. Life isn't explainable. It isn't understandable sometimes. And that's okay. Because just like that first Jesus, that first Christmas, Jesus comes in. And he brings his holiness. Oh, holy night. So we finish the carol with let us praise his holy name. Let all within us praise his holy name. Honestly, how can we not worship a God who does this for us? All within us praise his holy name. He brings us worth. As we walk with him, he breaks our chains and he helps us help others to do it. He comes into our mess and he brings his holiness and his love. So let all within us praise his holy name this Christmas, hey?
Isn't he a good God? He is so amazing. As I was preparing this week, I just, I really felt that there were people here who maybe you have been struggling with any of what I've said this morning, but I guess in particular, those thoughts and feelings of worth, it might not be that I'm not enough or it might be something else, but we'd love to pray for you this morning if that's you, if there's things holding you back, or if you need that breakthrough from Jesus in whatever area, whether it's an instantaneous one or you need, we would love prayer on the process that you're in, on the journey of walking, of healing in Jesus. And I just love it if we could pray for you, and I know there's others that would as well. So we are going to, I am finished, but we are going to have some ministry time, and I'm looking at Stanley because he's the expert here, but um, <laughs> yeah, you come up, you come up. Thank you for listening to me, and um, bless you. Well, thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.